The agency Wong Duty not only has an interesting name, it's had an interesting 2018. The Seattle-based creative shop celebrated its 25th anniversary this year, and as it did so, it was acquired by Indian tech giant Infosys, once known for offshoring jobs. It is, says CEO Ben Wiener, a great time for an agency like Wong Duty. As the big advertising holding companies continue to fumble, Wong Duty is seeing double-digit growth, he says. It is winning new businesses and expanding globally. I'm Brian Breaker, editor of Ad Age, which is expanding locally. And Wiener joins me today to talk about the Infosys acquisition and what it means for the Nimble Shop. A Wong Duty lifer, Wiener started at the company as an intern in 1994. Now he runs the show from his perch in Los Angeles. We discuss industry trends at large as the year winds to a close and what's next for Wong Duty in 2019. Ben Wiener. Ben Wiener from Wong Duty. From Wong Duty. We're, we're, <laughs> we're rolling. Um, uh, welcome to the AdLib Podcast. I'm glad that you uh, you can join us. You're the CEO of Wong Duty. I am. Uh, started as an intern. Now you're here. Um, we'll get into all of that. I want to start with the name. Uh, just get this out of the way first. It's uh, obviously your name uh, is taken from the founders, Tracy Wong and Pat Duty. But it's a funny name. Has it ever been a, is it a, is it a challenge or do people laugh at it? Is it? What you know, oh, it, it was an it, asset in the early days. It was both an asset and a massive credibility problem. Yeah. And when you start every meeting, new business pitch with, "Hi, I'm Ben Weiner from Wong Duty." <laughs> exactly, right. that's the response that you get. Right. Uh, in the early days of the agency, when we had absolutely zero reputation, I was uh, on the phone trying to buy some radio time from a radio station in Dallas on behalf of a client. And the sales rep at the other end of the phone refused to believe it wasn't a prank call. He thought uh, it was one of his frat, frat buddies. Right. So um, I had to have him call me back. It sticks with you, though. I mean, uh, we were talking before we turned on the mics. A, a friend of mine from high school uh, went to work for Wong Duty out of college. And, and I certainly remember that. That was maybe 20 years ago at this point. I, Trevor, if you're listening, hello. Um, so, okay, that out of the way. Uh we can we'll talk more about name stuff in general because there's a lot of name stuff in, in agency land uh, these days. Um, but you started as a as an intern. Now you're the CEO. The news here is that you're celebrating your 25th anniversary this year, yep. last month. Uh, you were also earlier this year acquired by an Indian IT and consulting firm Infosys for 75 million, or at least that's what it's been reported as. I don't know if you're allowed to say or confirm. Blank twice. <laughs> If I'm close. Um, all right, there's no blinking. Uh, you're a creative shop. What's that uh, partnership been like? Infosys is an outsourcing firm. It's got a reputation for maybe offshoring people's jobs. I don't know if that's accurate. Can you speak to that? Sure. I think what Infosys was 10 years ago and what it is today are very, very different. Mm -hmm. um, it's a company that built the Indian middle class in India by creating tens of thousands of well-paid computer services jobs. Mm -hmm. uh, and in the United States, they you know, were the number one, I think, recipient of H-1B visas. That's their old business. Uh, as things become increasingly digital and increasingly automated, they are moving up the value chain with their clients as well. They have a massive commitment to hire domestically and to train domestically. They've opened up 
innovation hubs this year in North Carolina, in Hartford, Connecticut, which is actually opening tomorrow. Mm-hmm. They've announced one in Texas. They opened in Indianapolis. Okay, um, so by the time this airs, it will be open. By the time, yeah, and, and a massive partnership mm-hmm. with the Rhode Island School of Design mm-hmm. to train thousands of new designers to work in the digital economy. Mm-hmm. So they're a company that's looking to transform who they are and how they're perceived uh, to shift from being perceived as a Indian offshoring company to being a domestic technology and consulting company. Mm-hmm. And what they don't do is creative and we don't do technology. Mm-hmm. So there it was a great marriage in the sense that we brought a set of skills that they don't have uh, and there was no redundancy whatsoever. So this speaks to beyond just a Wong Didi, it speaks to broader trends in the industry. Here you have a consultancy uh, or, or a tech firm with consultancy shop, uh, uh, chops, ma- math men, if you will, um, and you guys are the madmen, and and uh, we're seeing this replicated throughout the industry. Uh, they want to acquire those creative chops. Uh, is that fair to say? Part of a broader trend? Yeah, everybody's converging around the same set of solutions and the desire to go to end to end. Clients are looking to consolidate the number of people that they work with, mm-hmm. and clients don't really discriminate between. This is where the strategy consultants stop. This is where the ad agency begins. This is where the PR firm comes in. This is where you know, the digital shop plays. Mm-hmm. They want their problem solved. They're trying to sell more stuff. They're trying to transform their businesses. Uh, their needs are growing ever more complex, yet their budgets are not scaling uh, at the same rate. Mm-hmm. So if you're a client, it's tough right now. And clients, I think, are way more open to non-traditional solutions Mm -hmm. that are being put together for them by whether it's agency groups creating bespoke agencies, whether it's consultancies coming in and going end to end, whether it's building in-house agencies that, you know, service 80 to 100 percent of a client's needs. All the models are up for grabs Mm -hmm. right now. What's your point of differentiation? We have a level of creative that you're not seeing typically inside the consultancies. Mm -hmm. Uh, You combine that with a level of scale offshore that allows us to service the largest clients on a global basis. We have access to technology tools that uh, are really quite amazing and out of the reach of most agencies. Mm -hmm. No, no, No agency has a parent company with a proprietary AI platform. Mm-hmm. And nobody ever wants to talk about this, back to your question about offshoring, but we have an offshore cost structure that we can tap into uh, for a lot of the uh, the busy work of agency so, life. Uh, you anticipated one of my questions, which was, are you, are you able to take advantage of your parent company's lower cost talent? Yeah. Back? We're in, uh, I think, a fairly unique position as an agency to be able to have a conversation with our clients about cost. Mm-hmm. Look, the, the, I, I've lived this, so I've... I don't think I'm giving away any secrets here. The agency, the way you do business as an agency typically mm-hmm. is you find a client and you wrap your arms around them as tightly as you can and you hang on to them for as long as possible and charge them as much money as they'll let you get away with mm-hmm. because of scarcity. You know, you, you only have one client in a category. It's a pain in the butt to win a new piece of business. Pitching is expensive and you don't want to do it. So you have no incentive to ever figure out how to be cheaper for your client. Mm-hmm. We're in a different position where really thanks to a host of emphasis relationships, we have more opportunity than we know what to do with. 
we don't need to come into a client and try and do everything for as long as possible. We can focus on having some impact getting in and getting out. We can help clients build their own internal capacity. You know, that's what Infosys does. They come into a client organization. They will set up you know, an IT infrastructure and then they'll hand it off. And we can do that with a marketing, you know, with a marketing infrastructure. And so we can do everything that a traditional agency does, but we can also look at cost and process and structure and help clients evolve their entire marketing approach. Mm-hmm. So what does this look like to the extent that you can speak to the work you're doing with clients? What does this actually look like on the ground? So take a, um, you know, a large telecom client mm-hmm. where... We're not naming names. We're not naming names. Large <laughs> telecom client where yeah. we do a, a good chunk of work for them, but there are four or five other agencies in the mix. Mm-hmm. All of those agencies are running production studios. They're doing you know print production. They're doing digital production. And it's expensive and inefficient. We understand the brand. We have a studio in India that costs a quarter Mm -hmm. on an hourly basis of what things cost to do domestically. Uh, There's no reason that we can't consolidate all of those downstream production functions, uh, you know, get things done literally while North America sleeps at a fraction of the cost without compromising quality and without affecting the strategy people and the creative people that are really adding the value of the client on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you spending a lot of time in India yourself? I have been twice in the last six months, and I'm heading again in January. Okay. And you're based in L.A.? Yep. Um, the mothership is in Seattle? Yep. Um, would you say it's in some ways uh, Seattle is a, a stronger tech market than Silicon Valley these days? You've got Microsoft, just close to displacing Apple's world's most valuable stock. Seattle has Amazon, Expedia, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, Amazon is insane. Mm -hmm. It is eating the world. There is no business that they are not getting into and disrupting and disrupting pretty well. Mm -hmm. They're a client? They are. Yeah. Um, B2B side? uh, We have done work with both Amazon Web Services uh and also on the consumer side uh, with their devices. We launched Kindle Fire and Kindle Mm -hmm. Fire TV the Paperwhite, uh, Amazon Echo. You had uh, Gary Busey in some of your creative. Yes, I was working did. with Gary. <laughs> uh, Gary is a an absolute professional. He's wacky until the second the director says that they're rolling, yeah. and then he is completely on it. Wow. It's not the it's not the rep he's he's gained in recent years. Like, <laughs> like I said, he, he you know w- when the camera is rolling, he knows exactly what his job is, and he was you know a pleasure to work with. Great. Um, so uh, you started as a, uh, an intern. So how many years does that make it? I started uh, November first, nineteen ninety four. Wow. Okay. So. You know, we're living in a world where, especially um, among millennials, job hopping is the order of the day. Um, uh, how have how have the how is retention for you guys today? I mean, you guys are obviously able to attract talent easier now with the emphasis, or has that affected the game at all? Well, uh, three questions in there. Yes. Uh, retention. We've been very lucky to enjoy a turnover rate that's well below the industry average. Mm-hmm. We have a very strong culture. We take great care of people. It's a very familial environment. And our commitment, you know, with the emphasis... So, yeah, do you risk was, upsetting was, that? 
Well, we were very, very careful in terms of who we got into bed with in terms of knowing who they were and knowing that they value culture the same way that we do. And actually, it's very, this sounds bizarre, but they're a 200,000-plus person Indian IT company. We're this little advertising agency. But Infosys has a very, very strong founder culture, much like Wong Duty. It prides itself in humility and being client-centric, very much like Wong Duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they pride themselves as well in their employee retention and in building a culture around people who've been there 20-plus years, mm-hmm. much like Wong Duty. So there were, once you go below the surface, there were a lot of similarities. As far as talent goes, it's a great time for an agency like ours. We have been able to poach... A, we've been able to hire <laughs> uh, talent at a level that we would not have been able to touch two years ago. Mm-hmm. Part of that is a reflection on the sad state of life in holding company agencies where people aren't seeing a path to growth, where they haven't seen a bonus in years, if ever, um, where they're being endlessly pressured on cost they're and new efficiencies s- and blah, blah, blah. And, blah. Yep. and we have a slightly different story to tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're... We'll do double-digit percentage growth this year. Mm-hmm. We're winning all sorts of new business. We're expanding globally. And we're doing that with a culture that's still you know, very much what it was 20 years ago, five years ago. Is, is never having worked at a holding company uh, or, or elsewhere, really, is that an asset for you or, do you or a potential drawback? We've been really lucky to be able to bring people into the agency mm-hmm. who have worked in that world and can help us learn the lessons that we should have learned in terms of how you run a business at scale mm-hmm. without bringing us the culture of infighting and the endless obsession with manufacturing financial numbers on a quarter-by-quarter basis. Mm-hmm. So we've got the, I think we've got the best of it. Yeah. Um, you know, every day, this is the biggest joke. Today is, you know, Wong Duty is the biggest agency I've ever run <laughs> as of today. And tomorrow will be a little bit bigger and you know, I will still have no clue what I'm doing. But do you really, I mean, a lot, I, I hear a CEO say that sometimes. But do you mean that? There's, a, there's an amount of improvisation, I would imagine. Yes. Uh, there, there's a lot of improvisation and there's a lot of recognizing that what worked or didn't work two years ago uh, may not work or will work now. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the challenge having been at one place for 25 years is the thinking that you've seen it all, done it all, and that you have all of the answers based on what's happened historically mm-hmm. and not recognizing that tomorrow is a completely different day. Right. And a lot of the wisdom that you have is incorrect. So you know, what you know about people, that's pretty universal. Uh, what you think you know about the business that's changing all the time. Well, it's it. I mean, it takes a certain level of self awareness to 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 say that. I don't know that a lot of leaders necessarily would. Well, Ye- years ago, we had to get something done for a client. Early days of Wang probably nineteen ninety five. There were four people at the agency, and I bought the media for the client, laid out the ad because the client had some last minute revisions. Took the file to the service bureau got the Linotronic output, and FedExed it to the publication. Mm-hmm. So I literally did every job in the agency by myself. Mm-hmm. 
there is nobody who knows how to do every single job inside an agency anymore. What we do has gotten so complex. Mm -hmm. So you shift from managing a business where you understand what everybody does and how the pieces fit together to taking a massive leap of faith to, you know, in running a business where you don't really understand. Right. And the hiring is hard. Hiring and staffing for that is, mm -hmm. is a challenge. Uh, well, there are a lot of actually parallel challenges in, in media too. Um, the rate of change is, is, is tremendous. It's faster than it's ever been. And it's also as slow as it's ever going to be going forward. Um, how have the problems or challenges for your clients? So you're talking about the agency internally and, and structure and, and tech. How have your clients' problems evolved or changed over time? It is tough being a client because they're expected to be masters of all of these things that are emerging as well. You know, it's not enough to have to sell a product into a distribution channel that's probably being disrupted or disappearing or reinvented. Uh, you know, their media expenditures used to go to broadcast and newspaper, mm -hmm. and now they have to figure out what they do and don't do on all of these emerging platforms. Um, you know, they want to be as cost effective as possible, yet they also need to preserve brand safety. Uh, they need to be great data marketers, but they can't run afoul of privacy. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to navigate these choppy waters. And also, they've got two very, very different, for the most part, audiences they need to please. They, most companies have a core consumer um, that they cannot alienate because they need those people. And they also need to bring in a new consumer who's completely different from their core consumer, needs to be spoken to in a different way, needs to be reached in completely different places. So the marketing without, task... Without alienating that yeah. core. And the market, so the marketing task has right. gotten three or four times more complex right. uh, and budgets are three quarters of what they used to be because right. they all went to the IT department. So... <laughs> But you've got the IT department, so yes, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, that you know that that brought to mind uh, that sort of academic scenario brought to mind Nike uh, this year, especially which which has its core base and it and it needed to acquire new customers and mm -hmm. took a calculated risk with the Kaepernick ad and and seems to have worked out for them. They're also uh, with less fanfare, uh, selling more plus size clothing for women. Is that right? Yeah. Do you work so, with them at all? We have in the past. Have in the past. Uh, so, I mean, it's very interesting that you know, it's a company that believes that everybody is an athlete, but weren't making clothes for a significant segment of the population that are as much athletes as anyone else. Mm -hmm. So, and look, Nike's always a great example of a company that can always find a way to reinvent itself even after it goes astray for a short period of time. Right, or internally. And, and that's, that's a low-hanging fruit. But, but it speaks to a broader trend of, you know, we have released uh, this month our marketer A-list. And going down the list, you're seeing brands like, like Nike, like Fenty, like MedMen, um, who have to or who have succeeded by taking some kind of risk or taking some kind of stand. Does that come up in conversations with your clients at all? All the time, and it's very, very hard to get a client to go all in on a stand. For sure. So you you guys are rightfully acknowledging the marketers that have the courage to do that. I also think that there can be too much purpose discussion in marketing that you know, it's okay for my deodorant to just keep me from stinking. Yeah. It does not need to have a social justice agenda. <laughs> so, 
you know, there's this sort of fine line. That was my next question is do we, do we pay too much lip service to this stuff? Right. Like at the end of the day, you, the, your, your job as an agent for your client is to help them sell their product. Yep. And to do that in the, you know, but also to do it in a way that builds long-term value, not just, to not just be promotional, to mm. not just be shticky. To build um, a brand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the other thing that we're seeing is a lot of stunt marketing. You know, that's a trend that continues. Mm-hmm. Um, where at least mercifully we, we haven't been asked for a viral video in a while, but there's what about an experience? I mean, experiential <laughs> marketing is all the with, with, with some social media amplification. <laughs> uh, there, there's still some of that, but um, even you look at what, what, what Payless just did, it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, it's fun. Everybody in the industry is talking about it, and we'll talk about it for about three more days, yeah. and then nobody will remember it. Right. And and that's the you know the danger I think of some of these, you know, marketing angles. So if you're a Nike or a Fenty or a MedMen or, um, you know, Ben and Jerry's, you know, if you're a brand that's really going to go all in on what you stand for versus what you do, you have to recognize that you have to be willing to stand for that for the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, talk some more about what do you, what do, what, what do you stand for for the long term? <laughs> I mean, you're a creative shop. Um, what's the, what does the landscape look like? We talked a little bit about the holding company models sort of breaking down. Um, before the mics came on, you, you were saying that we're, we're at this inflection point of the business. And I've heard you in the past talk about the agency of the future. We can talk about the agency of the future. But what does that mean? I think the secret to Wong Duty is that whether we were running an agency or a car wash, yeah, what we really focused on was trying to build a culture that valued people and treated people the way we want to be treated to build the kind of company that you hope your wife or your daughter can go work at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that we made ads or the fact that we create brand experiences has almost been incidental. Uh, and I think that's what's allowed us to evolve is the fact that we've never really been about what we make. We've been about how we do it. Mm-hmm. Um and that gives us the flexibility to adjust what we make. Mm. And what we're seeing in the industry now is a crisis around what do we make? What do we do? We used to make television commercials and now we we create individualized, data-driven, augmented reality experiences? I don't know. Um, nobody understands what we do anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jeff Goodby had this great article in the Wall Street Journal coming back from Cayenne a couple of years ago about how you know, cab drivers used to understood, understand what the ad business did. And now nobody knows anything that nobody's seen anything that we'd make anymore. Mm-hmm. And there's this sort of identity crisis that we have, uh, and that's part of what's driving um, the, this wave of consolidations is trying to figure out what do we make that's a value that clients want to pay for that helps clients achieve their goals, and how do you put all of these disparate pieces together? Because anybody that just does one small piece of it is missing the boat, mm-hmm. and clients don't want to buy marketing, you know, off a Chinese menu of options. They want a holistic approach that solves their problems. Uh, which speaks to an element of, you know, a lot of 
agencies are talking about being in the business transformation game and, and you're doing mm -hmm. that as well. You're, you're getting under the hood at these businesses and, and the, the less sexy behind the scenes stuff. Um, can you speak to that at all? You were saying everyone's a consumer, even the, the what, what, what do you, what do you mean by all that? Um, you know, uh, digital transformation is, you know, the phrase on everybody's lips, mm -hmm. um, that everybody, that's the space everybody wants to play in. So we're in the digital transformation business. Uh, and the question is, what the hell does that really mean? Right. Uh, and what does digital mean? And you know, the way we've been defining it for clients, uh, particularly post-Infosys, is that there's a way that companies behave, a way that they sell their product, a way they go to market, a way they deliver services. Um, that is driven by their technology infrastructure, it's driven by their distribution channels, it's driven by their business models, it's driven by all of these legacy elements of their infrastructure. And in many cases, it has nothing to do with the way consumers actually want to buy their product, consume their services, or interact with the company. Mm -hmm. And digital transformation is the shrinking of that gap. If you look at a client like T-Mobile, their greatest marketing move was to blow up the contract because they looked at the industry and said, the entire industry does business this way. No consumer wants to do business this way. Why don't we take the fundamental structure of the business, which is the two-year service contract that is tied to your hardware, and blow it up? Mm -hmm. And that is digital transformation. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're your client? Yeah. That was an example. Okay. Uh, just transparency, that's all. Yes. They, um, they are a client. Yeah. But, I mean, what they really did was change their business model to be responsive to a consumer and to deliver their products and services the way right. consumers want to. And they figured out the technology infrastructure and the pricing and the business modeling to make that possible. Well, it helps to have a, a wild man like John Legere at the, at the helm, right? Yeah. Um, do you, you work closely with him? We're occasionally in a meeting with him. But, uh, <laughs> he's got much like? more important things to do <laughs> than. than, 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 than. <laughs> what's he? What's he like? Um, I mean, I think you've seen him on stage. That, yeah, that's, that's what he's like. Yeah. Um, I, so uh, we sort of dance around uh, this, or we talked about this earlier before the mics went on. But but uh, as we're in this moment of flux, we're seeing agencies, especially the holding companies, we're seeing these renamings, these mergings, VML, Y, and R, for example. And uh, you guys went through your own rebranding uh, moment a while ago, and then you unrebranded. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you could speak to the ups and downs or perils of, of changing your name and remaining a consistent brand. You went from Wong Duty to Wong Duty Crandall Wiener. Now it's back to Wong Duty again. Your name was on the door. It's off the door. Uh, I don't know how much in the, of, uh, of that so, experience you want to unpack. But. Um, so years and years ago, when I first became a partner in the agency, Pat and Tracy asked me if I wanted to put my name on the door. And I said no, because I thought of Wong Duty really as a brand. Yep. You know, it, it came from two people's names, but out there in the marketplace, it's a brand. Yeah. Uh, and then after the acquisition of Ground Zero and Court Crandall came on board and he wanted to put his name on the door. And then if he put his name on the door, I figured I need to put my name on the door. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, foolishly we did something that, you know, we would never advise our clients to do, which is walk away from lots of, lots of great brand equity mm -hmm. to create a me too name, uh, that nobody could spell, pronounce, or, you know, ever use in its entirety anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we went back to Wong duty. Yeah. 
Um, and and you will and remain long duty. I you will imagine. remain long duty. Okay. Is there anything else you want to add as we enter this holiday season, end of the year? Uh, any New Year's resolutions? No. I, it's been a, it's been a really wild year, obviously, with yeah. the acquisition and all sorts of other things. Um, You're opening new offices. We are opening new offices. We should be. Uh, expanding globally in the coming year. Uh, so really, the end of the year is always a time of reflection, uh, but we're not looking backward. It's really not about endings. It's about beginnings. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the thing about giving up independence after 25 years is uh, it's, it's real. It's scary. And we built something amazing. And what's been nice as an agency is that we could um, celebrate that and mourn it appropriately in mm -hmm. the sense that, you know, the next 25 years are going to be very, very different from the last 25 years. Mm -hmm. But they're going to be different no matter what. Uh, and I think that we're really well positioned to remain relevant mm -hmm. and have 25 or five years at least uh, ahead of us. And without Infosys and without a radical reinvention of who we are mm -hmm. uh, and the value that we can bring to clients... I didn't see a, a path to five years or 10 years of continued re relevance. Was the goal, I mean, you, at the outset, the goal was never to build it up to a certain level and then sell it. No. Our goal has always been to continue to do work at the highest level for clients that matter. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we wanted to future-proof the agency and ensure that we could continue to do the kind of work that clients demand for the kind of clients that we want to work with. Mm -hmm. um, those clients were looking for things beyond what we offered and what we would ever have been able to offer remaining independent. So when I looked at sort of how we were going to future-proof the agency and protect our culture, ironically, it involved not being independent anymore. Mm -hmm. um, anxiety and scarcity is not good for your culture. Mm -hmm. And it's a scary, scary time in agency land. Uh, everybody is fearful. And to be able to go from a place of fear to a place of strength, to go from scarcity to abundance, to go from wondering how to reinvent our skill set to having access to technology at a truly world-class level, um, access to data, access to artificial intelligence and machine learning platforms, access to global scale. I feel really, really lucky that you know we had 25 years of strong performance, uh, loyal clients, great people, uh, a track record of doing good work that allowed us to find the kind of partner that we could find uh, and to look at the evolution of the agency on our terms and not somebody else's. Great. Um, unless you have anything major to add to that, I think that's a lovely place to, to, to put it. All right. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. I want to thank Ben for joining me today. Ben Wiener is, of course, the CEO of Long Duty, 25 years at the shop. I'm Brian Breaker, editor of Ad Age, almost two years at this publication. You've been listening to AdLib, produced today by Max Sternlicht. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to check us out at adage.com. You can subscribe at iTunes. Give us lots of stars. We're also at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever there are good podcasts. Come back next week for our last ad lib of the year. <laughs>